Joining us this week is Harry Sheriff, the young filmmaker who decided to make one short film every month for a year. It was it was through sheer frustration and um, and a tad of tad bit of depression really. The twelve shorts came about um, last year. I didn't I didn't really make a film, and I'd made I'd made pretty much a film or two films a year since 2012 and then i got to 2015 and i didn't i didn't make anything this is coming off the back of um a creative england funded short film i did which took about well from pitching it to screening it about six months um so that was like a long process for like an 11 minute short and then for the for the bulk of 2015 i didn't do anything was pretty down about it and then out of the blue um I said to my mate Johnny, I said, you know, we should just film something on a phone, um, which with it was with really bad sound as well. But I was just like, let's do it, and then I put that up online, um, and it's just one shot, but people really liked it and they commented on it, and I thought, oh, you know, I should do this more, and so then that was sort of like the kernel of the idea, like I should just do this more, and then at the beginning of the year, like probably the first week of January, maybe. Um, I sat down in a coffee shop with my with my friend Ryan. He does all the sound on the films, um, and he's he's a professional. He works like day in day out, really, and he's worked on some big stuff. He worked on Ben Wheatley's Free Fire, um, and I was talking to him about sound because you I, I don't mind shooting on stuff where you get a bad image because I'm not I'm not really I'm not that sacred like other filmmakers are about the image, but but sound obviously you know you've got it's got to be good. And so I was asking him about microphones, you know, what microphone can I get where it'll give me really good sound and it can just be me shooting. And he was just like, it's not going to happen. You know, you, you know, unless you spend a lot of money. And even then, the way I write, I write with a lot of dialogue. And so he was like, it's not, it's not going to happen. Um, but then he said, sort of jokingly, um, I'll be able to give you one day a month if you need me. And then just through that, through him saying that one day a month, I was like, okay, well, why don't we do a film a month? The first thing I saw of yours was the trailer to Hits Like a Girl, and I was like, wow, that looks like... Everything just looked really great. And then you kind of disappeared a little bit off the radar, and then there was a post on Facebook called Bath Time, and I remember seeing a still from it, and it was just you looking at, like, I think it was a toy duck or something like that, and I thought what the hell is this going to be all about? And I didn't expect it to be a comedy. I thought, this is going to be like someone slitting his wrists or something because it looked like it was that type of uh, that type of mood and that title. And so that was like the mood I had going in, going, well, this is going to be like, you know, dark. And I just didn't expect it to go the way it went. And I thought it was brilliant. And I shared it straight away, like, guys, you got to, you know, watch this. Yeah. And then you followed up with something that, I was like, again, my God, this guy has taken massive risks and it was, and it worked so well. It was so funny the way it was done. And the thing is though, the dialogue and the performances, they were believable. And in actual fact, these were a, uh, inspiration for the, the tone of the short that I ended up making for the 40 hour film project. And like, you could have easily just done, you know, the same two characters, things happening um, you know, and I've enjoyed them of all of them. I think the best one 
Um, and I don't want to be giving you a massive ego here, but making of <laughs> making of is is so good. I mean, it's so clever. Um, I don't think anyone would dare do something like that. You know, yeah. I really. How did that one come about, or was it literally you've got to make something? How about doing this? So I, d- I really didn't want to do the film that was about the people coming up with the film because I thought, well, that's sort of been done before. But then I couldn't, I couldn't really, you know, pinpoint where it had been done before. Um, and then I had a couple of people. Um, a friend of mine, Nick, was like, "You should do one that involves a making of a film because, because I can imagine you doing that and it'll be really fun and and you could play with it." So then he said that, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's interesting because you know I've already had this idea." Mm. And then a, fr- a friend at work said the same thing. He said, "You should do something where." you're struggling to write a film and like loads of crazy stuff happens whilst you're writing a film. Uh, and I thought, Oh, that's interesting. Um, but then I've since bumped into a friend that compares it to Seinfeld. Um, yes. Yes. They yeah. write the show, um, which is obviously like, wow, that's like, you know, the most overly flattering thing ever. And also I think for filmmakers, especially they will just get a kick out of it. Cause I think I imagine most people who watch, your stuff from the type of groups you know you show them and are all uh filmmakers or, or want to be filmmakers so they'll get a kick out of seeing the various things and each film seems to have a different theme and influence take that as a compliment um because it says your stuff is is fresh and it doesn't get um you know um mundane no thank you um it's it's tricky you know i mean there's there've been there've been some of the films where i've gone Okay, well, that's that's sort of very much that person. Um, but, yeah, so I think Bath Time and Red Handed, I think they were just sort of, I wanted to make overly comedic films because I just wanted sort of, not an easy start because that's like, you know, mm-hmm. but, I, but I just, I wanted laughs like very early on in the year. I was like, you know what, these are going to be straight up comedies. It's me and Johnny. Because originally I went to Johnny with the idea of, do you want to be in all 12? And it will be it will be me and Johnny, and then that would be that would have been a series um, that people could have watched, and it would have been about half an hour, forty minutes um, throughout the whole year. Um, but then Johnny couldn't commit to that, which is understandable because you know he, people have got other things to do. Um, so yeah, they they were meant to be comedies, and then Lonely Guy uh, was very much the one shot um, sort of. I wanted to do something in one shot, and I guess that was sort of Roy Anderson. A Swedish filmmaker that I love so it was that lonely guy and even death of an actor as well was sort of Roy Anderson influenced that is sort of letting things just play out and seeing them from a distance you know I can wake up on a different day and be like right I'm obsessed with this guy I'm obsessed with you know you know what it's like yeah, you just yeah. week from week to week it's like right I'm gonna binge every Martin Scorsese film from the 70s I think it's really cool that you like making of because I think trying to do bigger things and trying to do longer short films that's where i see sort of where i want to go making sort of really um like unique comedies or you know because i think with, with british cinema it's we're very good at the drama and we're, um, um you know sometimes it's been poked you know people poke fun at it that we do sort of gritty and kitchen sink and stuff and that's all we can do but i think I'm, i very rarely see good comedy good british comedy um and i think i can I could do something there in the next couple of years that'd be really funny. If you can bring a good uh, comedic films, you, you know, you'd be doing well. And as I said, the stuff with Red Handed and Bath Time, 
they were they were just they were just so funny. Can you remember what it was that made you want to make films? Do you, have you always felt like this is what I I have to do, or was it something that came sort of like fairly recently, or was it when you were younger? Or so how how did it all happen for you? I think um, you know what it was. It was early. It was I was about sixteen, um, which which feels early to me because um, I sort of can't comprehend anyone wanting to do it you know, like younger than that. You know, sometimes you, you hear stuff about Spielberg or Scorsese being, you know, seven or eight or whatever, you know, however young, and that that's a bit crazy. But, um, yeah, it was pretty – it felt pretty early to me at 16. Um, and, yeah, I just knew I, – I think I'd, I'd watched The Godfather and I'd watched a couple other films that were just really – they had a strong impact on me. Um, so I watched, like – I think when I was 16, I must have watched the most films I've ever watched in a, in a year. And it was just like one great film after another. I watched sort of American Beauty, Fight Club, um, I think Memories of Murder, um, The Beat That My Heart Skipped. Um, yeah, I watched I watched a lot of good films. Obviously, Paul Thomas and Paul Thomas Anderson I'd, I'd got into. Um but yeah, I think I just yeah I discovered film at sixteen basically, and was just like, okay, that's really interesting. And then it wasn't sort of watching the films and then you know thinking about them and then going, oh well maybe I can be you know working films or whatever. It was sort of like, right, no, I've watched Taxi Driver. I need to try this. Like I I, I want to do this. So it was a uh, yeah, it was straight away really. <sighs> I think when you're that young as well and you think, all right, well, I want to do this, then it's, then the big thing is like, well, how do we do it? You know, it's not, doesn't seem possible (laughs) to do it at that point. Um, So yeah, that's when I started Googling film schools and then that's when you sort of get more interested in sort of the filmmaker's history rather than their filmography. You sort of go, right, well, how did he start doing it? You know, because he didn't just wake up one day and obviously make Taxi Driver. Um, but yeah, so that's when I started doing that. I sort of analysed their backgrounds and tried to work it out from that. So do you ever pick like a filmmaker and then go, right, uh, I'm going to watch all of David Fincher's movies. That's all I'm going to watch like this month. And I'm going to really study how he, you know, how he makes them. I've spent a lot of time sort of, I used to be crazy about it. I used to watch films with the sound off. Um, I used to, I heard this thing. I can't remember where I read it, but someone said you know if you really want to study a film watch it with the sound off because that's you know that obviously you know they say sound is 50 percent, but mm. if you want to really see how a film is put together watch it with the sound off so i'd, I'd do that you know like to to crazy levels i i feel slightly ashamed admitting it now but i really loved atonement um when it first when it came out i was like oh this is a beautiful film this is you know i just loved it um and i remember watching that with the sound off and just you know, yeah, just really marveling at it and how it was put together and the editing. And But I, I try and not do that now just because I think I try and focus on the writing and then I sort of you try and figure out how I'm going to shoot it. And I think it's almost a, it's a really bad sign if I think a lot of filmmakers, they're not they're not focusing on what they're trying to do. You know, it's it's a it's a it's an imitation or it's a. Mm. You know, it's a Vincent Gallo calls it um, collage. He he, he says he calls he says Wes Anderson and Quentin Tarantino are 
a collage artist, but he but he means it in like the most offensive way, mm. because because they they mimic um you know they mimic their favorite filmmakers. So I think sometimes the worst thing you can do is you can sit down um, and go right. Well, how you know how can I? Do? I mean, you can use it as a jumping off point. Um, so I don't think anyone who watched Death of an Actor would go, "All oh, right, well that that guy likes Roy Anderson." Mm. Um, but I think um, yeah, it's the same. It's the same when it comes to if, if you're writing the script and you're going, "Oh well, I want this to be like such and such," and then you go into the storyboard and bit and you're going, "Right, well I want this shot because it's like such and such." I think yeah, that I'm trying to get away from that because then obviously you know when you you know when you said before, no one really springs to mind that's like the highest compliment that's you know really nice and i i i read um sydney lamette's book making making movies which i highly recommend if you haven't read it it's it's amazing yeah. uh, and he says he says exactly the same it's like you know um about style you know style should come from from the script from from a director sort of analyzing it from the story how he's going to tell the story and you know it shouldn't come from right, well, we're going to make something stylish. So when you get down to, say, write episode 12 of your 12 films in a year, yeah, have you got, like, a book of ideas or do you just does something just hit you and you go, right, that's what it's going to be? Or do you think, well, I want to get, definitely get in, like, a romantic comedy in the 12? Or uh, how does it, how do you get your ideas and, and, and how do you, like, go about developing them? Yeah, I mean, you're always you're always jotting stuff down. I think um, it's always different things as well. Obviously, it's like you know, Johnny Johnny plays a big influence on the films that he's in. Um, you know, he came he even he, he co-writes sometimes, and he he came up with the idea for one of them, which was Streets Apart. He always he was just like, we need to do this idea, and I was like, okay, and I sort of caved. And I was sort of regretting it as we were doing it, well, writing it. I was like, oh, God, is this going to work? Is this going to be offensive? Um, So that was sort of, you know, Johnny plays a big part. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's like location. Sometimes it's just like, you know, I want to shoot something at a bus stop. Um, I did want to shoot something at a park bench. um, But but then I thought, you know what, it's going to be too similar to to, to Lonely Guy. And... Mm. um, but I think with the ideas, you're just you're always jotting stuff down. And I mean, I I don't know what the last two short films are going to be of the year. Um, so I'm sort of frig- figuring out that now. Like, where do I want them to go? Obviously, I want them to be the best, and I want them to be the biggest. But you know, we're on we're on the first of November, and I haven't got a shoot date um, because it was it was meant to be this Sunday, but sort of things have been pushed back, and um, so I need to rearrange that. So it's sort of everything's been this this year has sort of been the you know don't think about things too much don't analyze them just get it done because basically it's just it's what i've been guilty of in the past you know i've been guilty of sort of overthinking things and things never get done and you know putting things off and and it so it's good to have deadlines and it's good to have people around you where it's like right i've got to write a script because these people are waiting for it it's got to get done um but I think um, with ideas, it just normally come. It's just one little, one little thing that sparks it. Where I go, okay, that'll be interesting for whatever reason. That'll be interesting to. I think it's got a. I've got a very short attention, so it's it's got to be something enough where I just go that that's going to keep me interested. I know that's going to excite me. You know, the death of an actor was one that I was like that. That's just a naturally weird, dark 
funny thing. And, you know, I liked the idea of the meta of the two actors rehearsing a play. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that was going to interest me. Um, and the same with making off. As, as soon as I knew it was going to be black and white and it would have subtitles. And um, and then also James, who's in that film, James Harkness, he was somebody that came to me sort of, I met him sort of a week before we shot that um, because of a mutual friend just said, you need to meet James. He's a stand-up comedian. Um, he's really funny. He, he, he needs somebody like you and you need somebody like him. So, um, and then obviously we've gone on to make a couple of short films together. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, normally sometimes it's the actors, sometimes it's, you know, something else. So are, are these 12 films all self-funded and, and like, I mean, do you, uh, you know, how did you manage to get, you know, good cinematographers who are willing to, you know, help you out with this? I think the key is they're always friends of friends. Um, and normally it's a half day shoot. Um, so that normally they're, they're two big ticks right there. If, you know, if someone can vouch for you, um, and then also I've done a couple of short films, so that always makes a big difference as well. You know, when you send someone a nice email and you just say, you know, I think like you said before, you know, you said some nice words about hits like a girl. I can always, I can always send them the trailer for that, or I can send them the full film and go, listen, do you want, do you want to shoot something? It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to get paid, but you know, and then also the script that that's the procedure in my eyes. You, you know, you write a, a funny script or an interesting script, and because quite often filmmakers, they they you know they'll they'll contact someone out of the blue that they don't know that they don't have a mutual friend, they haven't finished the script, um, maybe they haven't even shot a short film before, and and it's just like there's not a lot to go on there. You know, if I was a cinematographer, you know that's the least that I would want. Yeah, so I guess that's it. And I think it just, I've known Ryan for like four years now, Soundman. He saw pretty much the first short film I ever made, which was basically me, Johnny, and my girlfriend, Marie. She's also my producer. Um, it was just basically us three sort of doing a run and gun thing for a day. And so Ryan saw that. I don't know where Ryan saw that, but he, I advertised for a Soundman. Maybe it was on shooting people. I as I advertised for a soundman and Ryan, I think Ryan was working on Waterloo Road at the time and he, he said, Oh, we, you know, we should meet up and so I met up with Ryan then. And then obviously Ryan's just gone on to do, you know, really cool things. I guess the answer if you're trying to do things with no money, you've got to sort of just, you know, be polite and ask people and just go, you know, it's not you're not gonna get paid, but you'll get you'll get this out of it. Yeah, I think the important thing is to be honest from the get-go, from, you know, honest from being upfront. Um, you know, how often do you see in forums, hey, I'm making this film and I'm just wondering if um, someone can help me with VFX? And it's like, okay. And you see a load of people say, oh, I can help you with this, I can help you with this. And then the next thing is, well, there's no money in it. Whereas the way to do it properly would have been saying, hey, I'm making this this film there's no budget, but I'm looking for to get some VFX. Um, if anyone can help me, great. If if they can't, you know, no problems. The worst yeah. thing to do is say, oh, you know, you'll get a credit on IMDb. You know, we're going to be submitting it to Sundance and all that because people see through all that. That that just makes you look like an amateur. Yeah. I don't know. You've got you have got to see it from other people's perspective. And also, I'm quite strong on the whole sort of the argument about pay and no money and stuff like that because i think there there are some people that are ruthless and they're like you know they won't do they won't do anything 
unless it's paid, mm-hmm. which, you know, I understand, you know, that can be your stance. But I just think, you know, I'm it's not like I'm earning money. You know, it's not like I'm doing corporate work and I'm taking all of the money home and no one's getting paid. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows that it's it's to make a an interesting short film. And, you know, I lose money making the short films so you, you do it for the experience and I, I think that's the key as well you, you've got to surround yourself with people who you know not not at your level because that sounds that sounds bad but you know you, you've got to surround yourself with people who are hungry they're enthusiastic and it's not going to feel like a chore to be there because when, when I made a film the, the, the film where I could pay people I obviously didn't pay them the the normal rate and even even then it was like you know some people it it was like it was a chore for them to be there right and that, and that just has a massive sort of i'm not experienced enough yet for that to not have an impact on me you know that was mm-hmm. sort of that got to me a little bit and it was like you know that's my eyes were opened you know during that process you know i heard i heard a story about martin scorsese during rage making a raging ball where he went into the toilet and two of like the gaffers were talking in the toilet and they were like you know what are we doing next and the one said to the other, oh, who cares? It's a piece of crap anyway. Um, and like Martin Scorsese, you know, at the, he's at the sink or whatever, and he's got to hear that. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard for, it's hard in that respect, but I don't know. Because you, you can't expect everyone to do everything for free. I understand that. And, you know, I think if you were going to approach, like if I was to approach a top, a top person that was, get, that I have, I've done that in the past as well. I've, I've approached people where, you know, my stuff's beneath them. And I've sort of gone, well, yeah, they're, they're going to say no or they're not going to reply. But, you know, that's OK, because I've asked and I haven't made an idiot out of myself because sure. I, would, I would never turn around and go, you'll get an IMDb credit. But I think I'd like to think that I'm heading in the right direction and I'm going to, you know, make better stuff and bigger stuff. So I'll eventually be able to, you know, pay people. But, yeah, it, it is a tricky one. I mean, what I'd say to that is and you're you're absolutely right with what you're saying. If you look at filmmakers and actors like Kevin Spacey uh, and you listen to him in his in his talks that he does, you know, he'll say he's a big believer in sending the lift back down. That's what Jack Lemmon said to him. You know, you got to send the, the lift. When you get up there, you got to send the lift back down and, and help other people out. And I think, you know, hopefully these 12 films will get you noticed and it won't be a question of will people work for you? It'll be a question of people wanting to work for you. You know, and and that's a, a big thing to to take into consideration. Like, I'm sure, you know, it's like this. I I worked on a project today, and there was no money in it, but because I liked the idea, I was I was like, well, you know, let's just do this because I think it could turn out really well. If you've got people who only want to work for you just to get money, they are not the people that you're going to want around you. Yes, if you can get the right people, and then you can reward them, you know, the say, you know, pay them then that's great but it should feel to them getting paid as a bonus they want they should be involved because they love doing it and that's the type yeah. of people you want to like surround yourself with what i i would like to know and i, I asked uh, one thing i'm going to ask the or the other people in this uh, this series of podcasts is say you're given an unlimited budget you can have any location any actors any genre and any composer what would that be? Wow! I know it's a big question, um, but you won't be—you won't be—you um, won't be held to it. So if you say, 
I want John Williams, and then you decide actually I don't want John Williams anymore. I want to have you know Zimmer. You can we can sort that out. I think um, a a film that's been in my head for a while would be is like a a sprawling period detective story set in England or Britain, and I just have I just have like the who's who of great British actors. My sort of this is going to make me sound like such a a fangirl, but like my 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 sort of dream collaborator is a uh, Daniel Craig. Like I don't know I don't know what it is. It's not it's definitely not Bond because it was before Bond. But I watched Enduring Love and I watched Layer Cake, and I was just like, oh my god, that guy is great. Um, especially Enduring Love, Layer Cake less so. But there's a there's a couple of scenes in Enduring Love where I'm just like that guy is top. So I think I think yeah, a sprawling detective film period, probably seventies in Britain, and then although Shane Meadows has sort of ruined this for me, I'd, I'd probably as a composer I'd have Ian Audi, or how, however you pronounce his name, Ludovico Ian Audi. That's that's who I'd have to. Because I, I would say Morricone, but that's just ridiculous, and also. Being, um, I, th- I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how Morricone would do a, a 70s British period detective film. I mean, I'm sure it'd be incredible, but I think, yeah. So have you got any big projects in mind? Like, have you got anything, like anything where you're looking for funding or any, you know, what's the, uh, what's next after the 12 shorts? Obviously, like any filmmaker, I'm I'm looking towards a feature film and going, how how can I pull this off? How can I do it? And how can I do it so it's really original and it's really me? And um, you know, when it goes when it goes wherever it goes, people notice it and go, that's really unique, and they pay attention to it. Because um, I'm sort of I'm becoming, especially over the last ten months, I've become a lot more self aware of like who I am as a filmmaker and sort mm-hmm. of not, you know. I know you love the Duplass brothers and I think the thing that I've learned a lot from them is that they wasted a lot of money and they wasted a lot of time on a feature film that obviously was totally sort of, you know, it was influenced too strongly by the Coen brothers. Mm. And I don't, you know, I don't want to do something like that. I want to do my own thing and send it off to festivals and it, and people to be like, right, we need to screen this because this is cool and this is original. So it's figuring out a way to pull that off you know, for, for an amount that is doable. And also the collaborators, you know, because people don't mind doing half a day. But as soon as you say, well, this is going to be two weeks, um, you know, it's 80 pages. You know, it's, you know, then that's when you're like, right, okay, well, you know, that's not going to happen. So, and it's also finding case studies for that as well and going, right, well, who's done that? Who's, who's made an 80-minute no-budget comedy, you know, and how have they done that? And, you know... I have like a, in my head, I have like a five-year plan and sort of like I do, I think about it in that much detail and I'm I'm not ready for a feature film because mm. um, I want the feature film to be, you know. Perfect. Yeah. Well, well not even perfect, but I, but I want it to be to a standard where I can hold my head up high and go, you know what, if I never make a film again, well, at, le- at least I had that. At least I, you know, left that behind sort of thing. At least, you know, that was hilarious and it was well shot and it was, you know, so... And a lot of people have been very complimentary with the twelve shorts, and they've gone, you know, if you could just if you could just keep that quality for eighty minutes, 
it would be brilliant. You'd have you'd have something really good on your hands. So it's like it's it's on one hand it's flattering, and then on the other hand it's like well, you know, if only you know it's it's you know it's difficult to do that for eighty minutes. But I think you know I watched I watched Lena Dunham's Tiny Furniture. I've watched it twice now after trying to watch it twice and turning it off after the first 10 minutes. Um, cause I have sort of a love hate relationship with Lena Dunham, but I think, I think that film is, I think it's a special film and, but, but even that film, you know, shot on a DSLR, you know, always on sticks. I think she, I think that had like a $35,000 budget or something crazy wow. like that. Um, and she's she's from a very wealthy family, you know. She was she was sort of connected and stuff. So she, you know, that's possible. But I know I'd have to I'd have to do something like that, um, you know. Keep it keep it simple and and use that as its style, you know. You know, sort of use the greatest weakness to the to be your greatest strength. You know, it's Robert Rodriguez. You know, yeah. film film school one hundred one. Sort of use the things you have. And but in terms of big projects. I want to get. I would love to do a funded Jack piece because I think that could be brilliant, and I think it would. It could be, or it would be, what I want to do as a feature. It would be a unique comedy, and you know, I think people would really be like, "Whoa, this is cool! I've not seen anything like this before." Because I think the detective, obviously, people have seen detective films, and people have seen even you know comedy detective films, but I just think something about a young detective that's a comedy set in Britain. I've not you know something doesn't really spring to mind there so i'm so i want to sort of you know i want to explore that and hopefully i'm applying for funding this month and hopefully it goes well but if it doesn't then i think me and james have made the decision that we'll we'll make that anyway and we'll try and make a 15 to 20 minute jack piece next year and then i want to make a web series like i've not i've not hidden that at all i've been sort of quite vocal about that that i want to i want to do a web show and I want to I want to release it consecutively for six weeks because again that I don't think that's something that's been that's not really been doing, done that often or you know I can't really pinpoint a very good British um, web series so I think if I can do that that's a good way to sort of push myself and I'm doing something interesting with distribution and also it's the, it's the feature film thing you know it's if i was to do six episodes that would be 60 minutes you're going in the right direction you mentioned that your girlfriend is like she does the producing for you so has she produced everything that you've been involved in yeah yeah she's she's produced everything uh ever since yeah ever, ever since dolly really sort of the first film that i met um i met ryan through and um Dolly is like a piece of crap, you know, it's on it's on my website, but it's it's you know I think it's a good it's good to show people things like that because off the back of that short film, that short film screened at Metal Culture, which is sort of like an arts charity in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And they saw it and they kept in touch with me and they put me on a, a res a residency, like a one year residency, which also sort of inspired the twelve shorts. Right. So it was it wasn't just Ryan saying I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you one a day, but it was it was this idea that I'd have to do something over the course of a year for this arts residency. So they saw Dolly, and then also it got me a mentor, a film and TV director mentor called James Kent, who is a very very good uh, TV director. And then he he's gone to features, so he's just made he made a film with Kit Harrington and Alicia Vikander called Testament of Youth, uh, which was getting amazing reviews uh, in america and that was produced by the producer of harry potter david Heyman. 
so he's like he he's a great guy to have to be able to email and that was all through like that scrappy film just sending it off and, and getting lucky really so yeah marie produced everything from then on and yeah there's there's just no way i'd be able to do it um like she she doesn't think she plays a big part but she plays a massive part and i think you want to focus on just the directing but you know you're spinning plates you know i'm sure it's an analogy that's been used a lot before but you do really feel like you're spinning plates and you're not focusing on the most important one, which is, you know, talking to the actors and what is the shot. Sometimes you're focusing on everything else besides that. And sometimes I'll catch myself and I'll be like, why am I losing time thinking about X? And and X will be something ridiculous, you know, that that has nothing, nothing to do with anything. And so it's good that Marie's there to sort of take that, take that off me or, you know, and, she she plays about five roles in the film, so she you know she'll produce them, but she she sort of organises the food. She she emails people. She she's very good with the locations. Quite a lot of the locations this year, she's she's organised. Or for example, the bus stop in in Lonely Guy, which obviously we didn't have to hire. It was um it was just an out of use bus stop. She she spotted it. She was like, I know exactly where we can film. And then obviously she takes the stills because she's a photographer, so she takes the all the stills that we do. But I think as as you grow and you get bigger, obviously you need more people. You know, it's it isn't just Christopher Nolan and Emma Thompson. So I think I think that's what we're looking at as well. You know, because I think that sometimes, for example, f- filmmakers often rely too much on producers, or, or they're trying to attract producers because they need money. I, I would love, and Marie's the same. We, we'd love nothing more than to find someone who's like perfect, who, you know, who has connections and has that industry, you know, knowledge and experience. Because we don't have that. But then there's part of me that's sort of anti, like naturally anti-establishment and anti, you know, no, it's all right, we'll do it ourselves. We're going to go our own way. Mm-hmm. And me and Marie, me and Marie actually had a funny conversation the other the other day about. You know, how is she going to carry on being the producer? Like, what happens when... Because there's no, there's no ifs in our house. Like, it, it's um, when you get successful, mm-hmm. uh, how like how am I going to stay, you know, being the producer? So so I sort of said, you know, well, if, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to do the job if, if you're not producing it sort of thing. And so she called me out on it, and she was like, well, that's a load of rubbish because what happens if, you know... Be the BBC sort of, you know, a producer from the BBC contacts you and says, you know, we've seen your short films. We want you to shoot two episodes of this comedy series. Um, and then the producers are already, you know, aligned and stuff. So then we had a chat about that. And obviously we said, you know, if that's the case, obviously it's different. Um, but- <laughs> I thought you were going to say, well, I'd say to her, well, you know, that's it. You're going to be the producer. But I love that he was so honest. About, well, obviously, she ain't going to be producer on that. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't me that decided that. It was, um, yeah. you know, I think it was, uh, it's a smart business head of like, yeah. well, you know, if, if you want to, you know, if you want to produce your independent feature film, you go and shoot the two episodes of that show and then you come back and I produce that. And I think, you know, you look at Christopher Nolan and Christopher Nolan is an, an absolute, anomaly like he he, he's an absolute genius and he he, you know he he's never made a film that hasn't lost uh, that you know all his films make money they all they all make a lot of money he's never made a film that's lost money um he's also obviously never made a bad film which is another anomaly but i think with him he's just i don't know you know i don't know what part 
his wife plays in it. I'm sure she plays a huge part. But I think, um, yeah, I think having someone there who can who can take the weight off and can understand what what's going on, and um, and also it's diff it's different as well because as a producer, you, sometimes you need you need certain resources yourself, you know. And I think on on some of the short films we've done, we've struggled with that because you know as as a producer it's difficult to understand well like well what what's my job like what's being asked of me mm. on the on this particular on this particular film i mean with when we made hits like a girl um i think marie properly felt like a producer because she she had a budget and and it was very it felt more structured you know and we had to talk we had to answer to creative england not in a bad way you know but we had to we had to talk to them um and that that gave it structure you know much like a producer would talk to a studio you know that we had sort of a hierarchy of right well we do this and we do that and then obviously when you're left to your own you know your own means it's like right well what's next how do we do this how do we plan that how do we structure this so i think that's but that's all good as well because when the day comes when we do make you know even this web series that i'm you know beginning to write now you think to yourself, right, well, it's six, ten minute episodes. What's the shooting schedule gonna look like on that? What's the budget gonna look like that on that? How many crew can we get away with? You know, because I wanna keep everything very minimal. Because on some of these short films, it's interesting, on the, the beginning of the year we, we were like very few crew, maybe two, three people. And then people got excited by them and wanted to be a part of them, which was flattering and nice. But then it got to a point in around probably may time april may time where i was like we've got to we've got to pull this back um because we are we were having like eight people and which sounds crazy to be like we had eight people and that's too many but on just purely on like a catering thing on a on a you know bodies in a flat and food and and stuff like that and just you know it again it's just a, it's a lot of work so we were like you know what we can do this with three people so let's go back to three people. So, and that's that's good schooling as well. You know, that's good preparation, I think, because I, you know, you've got to keep it small crew until you've got the money for for otherwise. The thing I've noticed with you, which you don't seem to be, uh, from what I can see, the the person about the gear, is that something deliberate, or is it just a question of well, I'm using what I can get? Um, it's a bit of both. It, it's 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 definitely deliberate. Because again, it's again, it's it comes down to time and sort of, you know, where's your time most effective? It's the writing and it's the acting, and that's the thing that I want to get really brilliant at. Because if you get brilliant at that, then you get all the toys and you get all the bells and whistles and the people that can use them. And and I've I think I've learned that off James as well, my mentor. He 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 doesn't know anything really about when it comes down to sort of cameras and obviously he's got to know lenses to a certain extent, but he you know he hires a really good cinematographer because he's worked in tv for over 10 years it's good so you can have a conversation in it i think you've you've sort of got to be semi-fluent and you've got to be able to have a you know hold your own in a conversation and i need to get better at that with cinematographers cinematographers like that to be their domain as well you know they i think they they want to they want to own that you know they want to that's the that's all they're there for yeah you no know, so they've got to they've got to add value when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, it's different as well. You know, obviously there's different directors. I've seen things with, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson on behind the scenes where he's like, 
he's walking the room and he's he's talking through the blocking and he's he's going you know i think we're gonna have a 40 here and then when we go over here you know and he's just he's saying the lens sizes and stuff and obviously i'm i'm nowhere on that level um to be talking about it in that detail i'm not trying not get obsessed with gear because it's for me it doesn't do anything you know i want for where i want to go i've got to improve on the writing and the acting and and my big things are how can i spend more time with the actors um that's my sort of thing going forward harry sheriff there if you want to find out more about harry or cs films you can go to www.harrysheriff.com thanks again for listening to this week's show and i will speak to you again next week (laughs) 